Have you ever been stuck? Have you ever been stuck? I mean, just like where you've really felt like, like I just cannot move from where I am. Maybe it was a physical stuckness. Uh, maybe it was something a little bit different than that. But I remember several years ago, I had the opportunity to go and travel to Israel um, with a bunch of friends, and we had just such an incredible opportunity to, man, see some amazing things there, walk where Jesus walked and do all that. Well, one of the things that they told us we were going to go do is kind of go through Hezekiah's tunnel. And it was like, oh, Hezekiah's tunnel, that sounds like, that sounds like a really cool thing. And, uh, you know, man, did I have the wrong expectations about what a tunnel would be like. And, uh, you know, I'm picturing like an American tunnel. I've been through tunnels plenty of times. Like, what's the big deal? Well, when we got there, it was like, oh, this may be a little different because you're going down these stairs. You know, it's getting a little darker to get toward this tunnel entrance. And lo and behold, you know, I was picturing this big wide tunnel with lights on and, you know, kind of paved and you walk through and isn't this cool? No, 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 no. Hezekiah's tunnel is, is kind of like maybe as big as what you would picture like a doorway being, okay? It's about a third of, the, of a mile long and it's pitch black. And this was like this secret aqueduct that they had constructed to get water inside of uh, Jerusalem, like if they were laid siege and they couldn't get out to get water. And I'm telling you, you are walking through water. It's pitch black. And this was not like modern construction. So I mean, like, first of all, it's small, but I mean, it's just rough hewn rock. So I mean, it's like things sticking out and like you're, you could bang your head. And I got probably about 100 yards into Hezekiah's tunnel and I was stuck. Like I was not literally stuck, but I was paralyzed. I mean, I became like significantly claustrophobic. It's only happened to me a couple times in my life. But I mean, where guy, I was like hyperventilating and like getting all clammy and like, ah. And there was, I was in this big group and there was like hundreds of people there that day. So I mean, like you can't like back out because it's all choked up now with people that are all behind you in the pitch black. And I was stuck. Have you ever been stuck? You know, sometimes there's that physical component to it. And boy, have we felt that over this past year because there has been physical realities that have really contributed to us feeling stuck. But a lot of times it goes way beyond the physical because like physically, I really wasn't stuck. I can move, I can walk forward. But there was something that was in my mind and deep into my emotions at that moment that caused me to feel paralyzed and stuck. Fortunately, I had some really good friends with me who talked me, prayed me, and literally sang me through Hezekiah's tunnel. So I made it. I got unstuck with a little help from my friends. And uh, man, that was so, so good to have them with me because I don't know what I would have done. But any place in our life that we can have that, those things of difficulty rise up, whether it's relational, emotional, 
spiritual, in our health, whatever it may be, are places where we can just feel the walls closing in and in that darkness really kind of feeling paralyzed and stuck. But there's good news. And that is that we do not have to remain stuck. And so we've been, over these last couple of weeks, we've been looking at a story about the Apostle Paul and some of his friends who were in a real place of stuckness in their situation. They were in Athens, and, but they were about 300 miles away from their very good friends in the city of Thessalonica. And they, they'd planted a church there. They'd started this little church. And so there was these new believers in Jesus that were in Thessalonica. And yet they were being persecuted. And so Paul and his friends 300 miles away are like, oh my gosh, they're going through persecution. How are they ever going to make it? How are they going to remain strong in their faith? Because they're just new in the ways of Jesus. What are we going to do? And they're like, we've got to get to them. But when they tried to leave Athens and get to them, Literally, he said, Satan stopped us. They were stuck. They could not get from where they were to where they desperately wanted to be. So, and it was causing so much desperation in their story that twice in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul says, when we could stand it no longer. They were like at the end of their rope when we just can't take it anymore. So what did they do because they did find traction and movement and got out of that place of stuckness? And I believe that through some of what we see in their story, we can also learn from our story, for our stories as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to retrace just really quickly what we've looked at in the past couple of weeks and then look at this third area that I believe is going to help us break free from those places of being stuck. So 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 3 is there in your notes. We're going to put it on the screen. But if, if you're at home and you want to download a handout for today's message, you can go onto our website, sm4.org, and right there you're going to see an updates page, and you can click to download uh, the handout that goes along with today's message. But Paul writes and he says, so when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. Okay. But we sent Timothy, who is our brother and our co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we were destined for them. So then Paul goes on a few verses later in verse 6 and after they've sent Timothy, and then they, they, he's reporting back now in verse 6, and he says, Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. So wow, even though they were stuck in Athens, the mission was able to be accomplished. They were able to move forward and not be stuck and really being paralyzed and ineffective. So Paul and his friends did three things that helped them move beyond this place of paralysis and being stuck to really move forward and accomplish uh, the will of God for them. 
So like I said, we're going to review real quick the first couple of things we looked at over week one and two, and then we're going to bring a conclusion uh, to this series and see something of the third thing that they did that I think is just remarkable. So in order to get unstuck and begin moving forward, we learn these couple things from Paul. Number one, interrogate our expectations. We have to interrogate our expectations. Listen, if Paul and his friends had expected like unending sunshine and happiness, like, hey, life is just going to be rosy, you know, no, all roses and no thorns, they would have been so frustrated both at God and in their situation. Because like, we didn't expect God to be like this. We thought, man, if we were serving God and doing his mission and living for him, that everything would just go the way we'd hoped it would. It'd just be all sunshine and roses. But that was not their expectation. And we see it in the scripture that they really were in touch with their expectations. Because Paul really clearly in here you know, says, you know, about trials, he says, for you know quite well that we are destined for them. They have this really deep expectation that, hey, there is going to be some hardship in life, that there is going to be some trials on the trail, right? When we're going down that trail of life, there are going to be some trials along the way. That was their Understanding, it was their expectation. And man, when, when our expectations align up with God's word, and God's word does tell us that, man, we're gonna have difficulties, there's gonna be all kinds of conflict that we're gonna have to press through and work through. What that does is that gives us kind of the room to breathe. Like even during storms and even during, our souls can be at rest. But we can say, Jesus, you went through extreme trials. Your people and your word we see went through these things. I can expect to encounter those things in my life, but God, with you, I can make it through. So number one thing we see is that they interrogated their expectations. The second thing they did, which I love, and Kaylin brought such a good word on this last week, is, is that not only did they have to interrogate their expectations, but they had to redefine the win. Redefine the win. They reassessed their situation. Listen to this. In faith, in faith, they didn't do this like, just like, oh, let's apply a little logic here. No, in faith, they said, okay, what, what's going on is not what we anticipated. This is not how we thought life was going to go at this moment. And they were used to just traveling from place to place to place. But they said, hey, we have to reassess the situation and redefine what a win would look like now. According to reality, according to like what we're experiencing right now, we have to redefine the win. And what they did is they assessed, hey, not all of us have to go to Thessalonica in order for there to be a win here. But boy, we've got to get someone there. Not all of us, but someone. And so they said, who's the best candidate to get there? And it was Timothy. And so Timothy was sent, mission accomplished, fantastic, so good. And this week I've been meditating more on this whole idea of letting go, you know, of plan A to redefine the win. 
And what I've realized is that you can trace back anybody who you think is a hero of the faith from Scripture. Like, you go to the Bible, and you just start thinking about who is your hero of the faith. You know, maybe it was Noah. I mean, you know, like this guy who was just flooded out, and yet God raised him up, built the ark. Maybe it's Abraham. Maybe it's Moses. Maybe it's Esther. Maybe it's Daniel. Maybe it's somebody from the New Testament. Maybe it's somebody like the Apostle Paul. I'll tell you something. The reason that we believe that they are a hero of the faith is because they did this exact thing. In faith, they said, God, I'm letting go of my plan A. My, my preference for how this would have all worked out, because you know what? Plan A is always what we prefer. Plan A is always our preference, right? That we're healthy, feel good, there's money in the bank. Like, we're just like going places. That's always our preference, so it's always plan A right? But why are these people the heroes of the faith? It's because they redefined the win in faith. Like they let go of plan A and said, okay, God, we're going to let go of that in order to embrace something that you are going to show us, something that you are going to help us redefine so that we can actually begin to like get out of this place of being stuck. And it's such a powerful lesson. I think it'd be really good homework assignment for us. So if you don't know where to start, go to Hebrews chapter 11, because it's kind of like the hall of fame, but it's really the hall of faith. And it just talks through people's stories. And go there and look about how people had to redefine the win by letting go of plan A and embracing something new for their story. But here we come to an interesting part now in the story of Paul, because hey, we could, we could look at this and say, mission accomplished. Like, okay, they got unstuck. They weren't really as paralyzed as they thought. They were able to find a way to move forward and accomplish the mission. So great. We could assume that, you know, the apostle Paul, who loved all people everywhere, wanted them to all hear about Jesus, he might have just said something like, well, okay, Timothy got through. Very cool. It's a big world out there. Lots of people need to hear about God. So we're just going to like move on from our friends in Thessalonica and kind of get on to the next places. But there's this really cool twist in the story. And there's this really cool thing that happens that I believe is a profound insight that we need to learn from if we want to get unstuck and stay unstuck. Because the third thing that they did is that they contended in prayer. They contended in prayer even after they got the good report from Timothy, they kept praying. And what they prayed for was like complete and total breakthrough in this situation. Check out what Paul says, and this is after they've already kind of gotten unstuck, got Timothy there and already received the good report. Timothy, or Paul writes just a couple verses later in verse 10 and 11, he says this, he says, night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself 
and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to see you. Wow. Here's what I see in this. That Paul never gave up believing for full and complete breakthrough in this situation. It's like, because, you know, like, hey, when we, you know, interrogate our expectations and say, okay, there's some expectations I have that are really not realistic, they're not even aligned with God's word, I probably need to evaluate those, toss the ones out that don't belong there, just hold on to what's good. And then maybe I need to let go of my plan A for what this season of life would look like. You know, I think we're all there, right, coming through this pandemic, but we've still got so much farther that we really want to go. We don't want to stay stuck. We don't want to be paralyzed here. We want to move on, right? But then it's kind of like we, we experience maybe little victories. Hey, we get to come back inside the sanctuary. Woo! And we celebrate that. But we can think that, like, it's over. Folks, it ain't over. And I think what they experienced here is that they realized we won a battle, but the war is still going on. And so Paul never stopped believing for full and complete and absolute breakthrough in this situation. Not only that Timothy would get to go and bring a good report, which they were rejoicing in, they were super glad, but that was only one battle. And there's a war going on. And Paul knew that this was not just any ordinary kind of war, like, hey, you get a cold, not everything's from the devil. You know, it's like life, you know, sometimes we're going to stub our toe. It's not all like a demon behind every rock that we stub our toe on. No, that was just our clumsiness, right? Come on, you with me? Not everything is of the devil. But Paul knew here. Something more was going on that was not just in the natural. He made this point to say, Satan stopped us. Now, he doesn't go into the details of how Satan was at work, but Paul discerned in his spirit that there was something of hell aligned against the purposes of God here. That this, this church, this little church, these new believers in Jesus, they needed to be encouraged in the faith. They needed to have people like you and me and, and you know, come alongside them and say, hey, you're going to make it and, and we can do this together. Let's pray and let's, let's strategize. And, and we just want to encourage you and build you up in your faith. But hell was aligned against the purposes of God. And we see that also in our own stories. Man, sometimes we're going through stuff and it's like no matter how hard I press, I just can't seem to find breakthrough here. And I'm trying to do something good. I'm trying to do something like to bring the life of Jesus or, or just to minister kindness and goodness to a neighbor or to a coworker. But it seems like it's always sabotaged, how it always just kind of gets turned around and I'm never able to kind of get breakthrough in these situations. Could it be that hell is aligned against your purposes and those things that God has put in your heart and those ministry gifts that he's given you. Listen, if it happened to the Apostle Paul, I think we gotta say, probably gonna happen to you and me as well. That hell is involved in trying to just mess with our stories. Jesus said, you know, the thief comes, you know, to, to kill, to steal, to destroy. And he's actively at work in our lives but we don't have to stay stuck there. 
Because Jesus said, but I've come that you'd have life and have it abundantly, that there would be unstuckness in our stories. Amen? Well, Paul was contending for this in prayer. Even after they'd won a battle, he's like, no, we're pressing on and we're not giving up. I'm gonna continue to believe. I'm gonna continue to contend in the faith, in this matter. So in this little two verses here, I believe there's three things that we can see about breakthrough prayer that we can learn from and like be encouraged in when we think about engaging things in prayer as part of how we move forward to get unstuck. Here's three things we learn from Paul of ways to pray. Number one, we need to pray continual prayers. Continual prayers. You know, sometimes I think we can just get to that place where it's like, well, I prayed once, God heard my heart, you know, he knows what I want. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when people get married and stop telling each other, I love you, I love you, I cherish you. It's like, hey, I said it once. <laughs> when we were married, in front of God and everybody. Don't you remember, right? No, we need to continually be nurturing that. You know, in, in, in really the same way here, Paul says that they prayed night and day. There was this continual sense of like, no, we're not just like praying once and considering it done. We are getting after this, chasing after something in faith and in the spirit continually. Now, does this mean that they prayed 24-7? They were just having like 24-7 prayer meetings? No, but I'll tell you what it does mean. It means that 24-7, they were in the habit of jumping into prayer. Like whenever God would remind them about their friends, whenever like a name or a thought would come up or, or that we're stuck here, it's like, God, clear the way. Make a way. You are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. That is who you are, right? We don't just sing it. We believe it. But we sing it because we believe it and we believe it and we repeat it, you know, we repeat those things that we believe. And so Paul is getting after it continually, like God make a way, continually, over and over. And this was a theme in Paul's ministry because he wrote to another group of people in another church in the city of Ephesus who were also at a place of battle and spiritual warfare. And it's here in Ephesians chapter six. And it's in verse 12 that he reminds them, says, hey, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Something spiritual is going on. He says, we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I mean, he's saying, you gotta remember that there is more going on here than what we can see and observe with our eyes and understand just with logic. There's something else that is going on here. Spiritual warfare. We're not, because he's talking about fighting. This is spiritual warfare. But then listen to what he says. Just a couple verses later, he says, pray in the spirit at all times. 
and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. There's, there's this understanding that like, you guys, we don't just like pray once a day or pray once a week when we come to church and it's kind of like the religious thing we do. Prayer is the furthest thing from like a religious matter. No, it is, it is this relational connectivity where we are literally reaching on, like, like we were just talking about, beyond our sight, beyond our understanding, but in faith, knowing that there is the God of the universe, the Lord over all things, who I am now appealing to directly for this situation. Continually, persistently, at all times, and on every occasion. So on every occasion, it's like, hey, when we do get together, we should be praying. So when we gather around the table, what do we do? We pray, right? When we meet up at bedtime with our kids, it's not just like tucking them in and kissing them goodnight. It's like on every occasion, use that as an occasion to pray, right? Dropping those kids off for school. I know that's a dream still for many, right? But, but you still drop them off at the computer, right? Hey, there you are. You know, use it as an opportunity on every occasion to say, hey, God bless you today. May he protect you, body, mind, and spirit. Because there's things going on that we cannot see with our eyes. We don't perceive with our minds or our logic. There's evil things at work. And we want to see our kids protected. We want to see our spouses protected. We want to see ourselves protected. We want to see our church protected. So what do we do? We pray continually at all times on every occasion. We don't give up. We are persistent in our prayers to see breakthrough. The second thing we see here is that he said we pray most earnestly. In, that I see that we, in this I see that we pray passionate prayers. We don't just pray consistent prayers, we pray passionate prayers. When he says this, that we pray most earnestly, that can just sound like, kind of like, oh, we're really, you know, we really mean it. Which, that does convey that, they really did mean it. But I'm telling you, if you, if you kind of peel back the language here, and, and I love kind of being a pastor because sometimes I have the opportunity and the time and the resources to dig a little deeper than maybe, you know, most people have when they're reading. And so I'm like, I'm like studying this. And I love when you peel back the language of uh, the, the layers of language here because Paul uses this phrase that combines two words, exceedingly and hyper. Hyper, exceedingly. We are praying night and day, hyper exceedingly, right? You don't just get that when you just read most earnestly, <laughs> hyper exceedingly, like overflowing all the bounds that would normally be on what you would consider prayer to be like. Most earnestly, getting after it contending like we're really in a fight. We are getting after it, guys. Listen, I believe that they learned how to pray this way from Jesus himself. 
We, we think of Jesus as this humble, sometimes quiet, meek leader. You know, he was all those things, gentle in spirit. But you know what? We read in Hebrews, the way the author there talked about how Jesus prayed, and it's there in your notes, Hebrews 5, 7. He says, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence from God. You know, I believe that these passionate prayers come out of that, there's an overflow of that reverence that we have for God. Listen, if you don't believe that God is who he says he is, you're never gonna pray passionately. Uh Uh-oh. If you don't really believe that he is the creator of the universe, and is the Lord over all things, including you and your stuckness in these difficult situations. If you don't really believe that, guess what? You will never pray passionately. Jesus, of course, was God. He knew God. There was this, there was this intimacy with God. And out of that came this overflowing, passionate engagement. God, make a way. Make a way. Passionate prayers. Coming from this deep place of reverence for who God is. Believing for absolute breakthrough, complete breakthrough. And the third thing that I see here is not only do they pray continual prayers, passionate prayers, but they prayed faith-filled prayers. Faith-filled prayers. May God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way. And it's interesting here, I just gotta do a little side note here for a second because it's so beautiful here because it it sounds like, Paul, this is bad theology. You know, I'm praying to God the Father and I'm praying to Jesus. You know, it's like, whoa, are you you a little confused about who you're praying to? You know, it's like, I love it. May God God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ clear the way. The beautiful thing also here in language that is not evident in English is that while he mentions two names, the the grammar of the sentence is singular, which is so cool because there's this affirmation that Paul is making that our God is one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's not like this plurality of entities. He actually like makes it singular in here. But he is praying for divine intervention and he is praying specifically for God to clear away. I believe that faith-filled prayers combine both of those. That one, we pray specifically, not just generically, right? If like someone is sick, we don't just ask God to bless them. 
we pray for healing. Right? It's like specific. We pray specifically because that's like how we attach our faith to it. Like not just God, just bless him and do whatever you want to do to help him have a better day tomorrow. Right? No, we pray specifically, and that's what Paul did here. I think that that's one of the ways we pray by faith is I'm actually going to say the thing that I am asking God to do. Sometimes I think that we can kind of pray a little bit faithless because we just want to kind of pray bless, bless them prayers, you know, or bless me prayers. Like, God, help me. I think we need to get drilled down and get specific. God, I've got a problem with this. You know, I've been stuck in this addiction. I've been dealing with alcohol or I've been dealing with pornography or I've been dealing with anger. I've been dealing with these things that I have not been able to break free from. Name it. Say it. I mean, God already knows. I mean, it's like not, God's not like surprised. <gasps> they have a pornography issue. Oh my gosh. Where have I been? I missed that somehow. See, God already knows what's going on. So pray specifically in faith for breakthrough this way, God. And then also, not only specific, but like, Pray for divine intervention. I love his prayer. May our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way. Like God, right here, right now, do this. I want to close with one last scripture because I think it is so on point for this topic of, of prayer and getting unstuck. And it's in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11. Read the whole passage at some time. I'm just gonna read a little portion of it. Sounds like Paul got stuck a lot. Because he says to his friends in Corinth, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers. Like, don't have wrong expectations, Right? Interrogate your expectations. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, our hearts, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. I mean, talk about words that just describe a place of like unbearable stuckness. Feeling, feeling completely cut off, even to the point of death. But he goes on and says, but this happened. That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Who raises the dead? It's like we may have felt dead, but guess what? Our God was teaching us something and he's the God who raises the dead says he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope, listen to this, that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor God granted us in answer to the prayers of many. 
prayer leads to breakthrough. And I believe it's one of the tools that God has given us. And, and on the bottom of your notes there, I tried to summarize it as, as I could. That prayer is the first and the best way to immediately connect our faith to whatever we're facing. It is always this bold declaration of the reality that Jesus is Lord. And that that fact changes everything. Prayer connects our faith. It helps us to reach beyond what we can see and understand. It reaches into that spiritual dimension where there's these battles going on. And prayer like breaks through those so we can get out of this stuck space and actually enter into this faith-filled communication with the God of the universe. Believing in faith that God, that you don't want me to stay stuck here. So God, make a way. And to continue in that, to persist in that, to not grow weary in that, to not say, well, hey, some of what we were praying for happened and, you know, we won a battle, so we're just gonna like move on from this. But no, continue to contend. Listen, some of us here and some, my friends online, that may still be dealing with a whole lot of like just the ugly after effects of what we've been through this past year and are still feeling very stuck. Do not give up. Continue to persist. Interrogate your expectations, okay? Like don't get stuck just thinking like life is gonna be all rosy. And then be willing to, in faith, let go of plan A of like what my preferred future would be like and say, God, in faith, I'm gonna grab hold of what you have for me next. But I'm gonna persist in full and complete freedom in this area. So Pastor Lisa's up here. And I'm gonna ask for others to come and because in just moments, we wanna create a space where people can join with others in prayer just like we've been talking about I love the fact, and Kalen mentioned this last week, that Paul wasn't doing this by himself, that repeatedly he kept using this inclusive language. You know, we felt that we could take it no more. We felt we were at the end of our rope. And then we thought it best to move forward this way. There was this collective sense, and we pray night and day. It's in agreeing with others oftentimes that we find that breakthrough. So I don't want you to leave here today stuck. And if you're online and can't join with us personally today, man, if you're on Facebook, we have a pastor there. You can just reach out and say, I need prayer right now. And they're gonna begin praying immediately for you. But you can also go over onto our website, sm4.org. And you're gonna find a contact page. Drop us a note and say, here's how I need prayer. Would you pray with us or pray with me about whatever it is? And we have a team of people who pray throughout the week and we're gonna get after those things in prayer. Believing for full breakthrough, all the way through. And listen, if there's anybody here today that has never said yes to Jesus, that has never like stepped out of the 
natural. You've been just trying to live life on your own, doing things the best you could. That's how we all start. And then we hear the promise of God that says, I have more for you. I have life for you. Because when you try to do it on your own, no matter how you go about it, it always ends in death. But with Jesus, there's this promise of breakthrough life. And if you have never experienced that before, my heart for you today is that you would open up your heart and your life and say yes to Jesus. That God's promise of forgiveness, his promise of salvation, his promise of life is for you. And today, all you need to do is say, I am turning from what I used to know and how I used to live, and I'm saying yes to him. So God, I pray now, Lord, passionately. Lord, I pray for all of those who are here, all of those who will hear this message, that God, that you will break through, that you will clear a way. Lord, whether it's from stuckness in a really hard situation, or God, whether it's just in the stuckness of life, trying to do life on our own. Lord, we need you. And so today we cry out to you and say, God, come into our story. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Come into my situation and make a way. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Friends, have a beautiful and wonderful week. Love you.